so good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever you listen this. This is Match Bailey alongside my critique of Adding Crime, Ricardo Medina. Hello, hello, hello. And this is another episode of BS Beats at Bailey, where essentially we just talk about, you know, the latest in TV shows, movies, a game ever so often, you know, an album ever so often. You know, just normal convo basically about the new stuff that's out there, right? Yes. So, uh, before we jump into today's episode, um, great news, boy. Local crazy. cinemas are, are, have, have reopened, with the exception okay. of um, of IMAX and, well, you know, Gemstone to extent, which uh, will be opening this Wednesday coming. Okay. Here's the catch. Well, um, I, I, well, here's the thing, eh? Like, this Wednesday coming, uh, we're supposed to be getting Tenet at long last, right? right. Here in the uh, Green Fine. Now... I from 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 you know be, be me being a huge Nolan fan and me having to spend all my bucks to see every show that he put out on in a, on an IMAX screen, right? I am tempted to go and see this thing in IMAX, but at the same time, now that I know that this movie is coming out um, digitally and on Blu-ray, I believe it's the seventy-fifth. I'm like, well, you know, I could get a home and get the full experience. Also, because the script it came out online. Um, Last week, I could kind of compare the two in case I get lost and then I have subs too. So, in case I right. know what, um, what, what, um, oh gosh, um, John Washington see, you know, <laughs> I can always read right, it, right. you know. So, it's the advantages of me watching it home over the, over, you know, it's, 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 it's either I could just watch it home with all the advantages or I could just, you know, Go, go to IMAX and get that full experience and still kind of wish that yeah, yeah. I was home watching it over there. So, yeah, I don't know. The, I don't know. I don't know. Visually, the thing is, visually, Tenet don't have anything that really, you know, worth that IMAX feel. Because it's not like the film is about the grand scope or anything, like, shot-wise. Right? True, 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 true. Like, just, so, that's, that's why not nice like... That's some yeah, nice shots. That's some nice shots here, I, I, but still nothing like, oh my god, I need to see this. Yeah, oh, it's not like you know. it's not like Interstellar, which really you like deserve the IMAX treatment. Um, but to me, it was like, all right, well, yeah, let's have this thing. It's a shot, but it's not a scope. I'm not taking it nice blue mind scope thing. I, I still want to see it, you know, proper in a bit screen, which I did a long time ago. Uh, yes, you did. But, you bastard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, um, it, it you know when seen it, they had a really working memory of it. It's like, yeah, not that, not that, not that worth it so much. So yeah, I. Still not taking that risk, especially with the whole thing being so public now. I was like, if you know, so once again, as I said last week, um, look, I, 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 all I'll say is that, yeah, no, all I'll say is that Pfizer better hurry up with our goddamn ticket, right? so <laughs> all right, with, 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 we, we, yeah. we need to cure, man, we need to cure, yeah. right? <laughs> with, but, with the vaccine, or whatever, it is a 90% vaccine that they claim, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, all over my YouTube feed and shit, right? right. But, um, <laughs> I, I just still hoping that we, we still get one over 984. Right now right. I'm hearing that they, they're still aiming for the Christmas Day release, but they're going to put it out on HBO Max um, January At the same time. 2021. I right, but, I heard that. Yeah, but now it's, it's, it's either they'll do that or just postpone it indefinitely. Well, sorry, well, not indefinitely. Well, postpone it till 2021, I believe, for a right. summer release. Right. If there's one show I would love to see by the end of the year would be Wonder Woman 984. You know, oh, I have a little, yeah. a little slot on my, on my best movies of 2020 list, which I've actually started working on today, the time I was recording here, right. for it. So, I want to see it. I want to see it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's, a weird, it's a weird call still. I, I still on defense about just doing anything at all, even after things. As I say, I, I, not, I wouldn't be relaxed until at least March. 
totally mm. true. Um, especially with this with this Pfizer thing, no? I was like, okay, well, we'll see. I don't know. I not too hyped. Totally true. Um, so oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Uh, and then this this thing also got a, a big um, push as well. Push back. Um, they call it um, Wonder Vision. I saw that get yes, pushed back. Yes, yes, yes. Um, that's Which coming out um, January, I believe it is, right? January. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why it got pushed back, but whatever. Um, that means that this officially makes no Marvel content for the entire day. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So sad. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason why I'm bringing up all this, you know, local cinemas being open is that the last film that we're going to talk about, that would be Greenland, um, yeah. you know, which which came out on Amazon Prime last week. That's how we were able to see it. Yeah. Is showing in theaters right now. And right. Um, I, I was I was almost tempted to see it because, uh, sorry, everything else just looked kind of so-so. Um, there, yeah, there's this one, cool. Let Him Go, that's with... Um, Kevin Costner, right. Diane, yeah, and I, I could, I could wait till I come out um, yeah. digitally to watch that. Uh, everything else is like what, um, the Craft Legacy, um, yeah, War right. Grandpa, and I'm like, okay, I, I completely forget what? that they had a, 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 I completely forget it. They had a, a craft, um, craft remake coming out. So like, oh yeah, that come out so soon. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, and what I just heard so so things about it. That's why I haven't bothered to, you know, even check it out or review it now. Yeah, the one movie I was kind of excited for, if they could, would to bring it up, but I don't know if they'll bring it down, so down here, is um, uh, Freaky, right? I thought that would yes, have been... Yes, 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 um, yes. I know it's coming out digitally before the end of the year. Well, at least I hope right. so. But I, I right. would love to see that on big screen. I'm, I'm hearing Me great too. things about yeah. it, actually. Yeah. yeah right. Shockingly great things. Uh, I thought it was just going to be this, you know, so, just so-so slasher comedy listen, thing. Listen, I, 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 I'm on, I'm on, yeah. Yeah, I thought I write off Vince one a long time ago. So, like, okay, he did something good. But... Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's already too the form I can't really say, right? Yeah. But, yeah, um, along with Greenland, um, so, as I said before, you know what I mean? I'm working on my best movies of 2020 list, right? And I just let you know one time, Ricardo, um, you know, because it's 2020 and all, I figured, you know what, what the hell, let me just do, you know, top 20, you know, um, best right. movies. Uh, so it's like, you do 20, I do 20. So it's like, yeah, 2020, get it, right? right. Um, and like I say, I have some, some you know, um, slots available for upcoming films, you know, stuff that I'm a reader, right? But because of that, now I, you know, decided to do a little research, see what stuff I missed out, you know, throughout the, um, throughout the season. Anything. And, you know, basically, it doesn't have anything. Like I, I can't think, of, I can't think of anything big, big that come out this year for me to like say, hey, I watch that this year. That you know, right on my list um, this year. Now. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, that, that's, like, that's I, the I, thing. Like I yeah. had probably think I'll ha- I saw twenty films. <laughs> like what? Well, okay, so I will, I'll just let the cat out the bag one time. Um, they're not like the best of the best 20, right? Um, a few of them would have been honorable mentions if I'd stuck with just 10. Um, yeah. But, you know, they, 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 they did entertain. They did, you know, pass smile to my face. They did entertain right. me for what they did. But there's no way that they're masterpieces. But, like, the, you know, like from 10 to 1, those are the ones that I have right. as four and a half out of five or five stars, right? So just let you know right. one time. So I just being kind of generous because of how the year was, right? But you know, if things were different, I would have had like a Black Widow or Wonder Woman in nineteen eighty four right. up there long exactly. time. You know what I mean? But I, yeah, I, I think maybe, we, maybe maybe Tenant might be there. Maybe right. I didn't see it. Maybe right. 
that is the thing. Um, it, because this this year, whole year was just more about talking about what movies could come out rather than yeah. what movies actually came out. Um, we were just talking about oh well, this get pushed back. I mean, we spend more time talking about that shit. Um, you know, over than than the actual film itself. So it's like, uh, it's a shame. It's unfortunate, right? I mean, so yeah, is, uh, yeah, yeah. You know it is. Right, so three of those films I'm just going to run through kind of gauntlet style, right? That sure. would be The Assistant, American Utopia, and okay. His House, right? Um, after that, um, I'm going to talk about the second half of Primal. That would be the, the animated series, you know, right, um, yeah. created there and directed by Jen D. Um, Tartakovsky. Um, yeah. The last five episodes, you know, aired a couple weeks ago, actually. So, okay. finally binge them through. And I will give like an honest opinion of the, the full season, right? Spoiler alert, um, views haven't changed, but there are a few things though which Hammer kind of intrigued about, you know, what could happen next, right? That's all I'll right. say. All right. So, you know, let me know we say any time. Let me just jump into the first film that will be The Assistant, right? Mm-hmm. Now, this came out, uh, it had its premiere, sorry, at the Telluride film festival um on august 30th of last year right and since it was released theatrically generally to the first of this year it has gotten it has, it has received sorry nothing but praise I'll, I'll, right. like, i've been looking at best of the year lists and everyone i've found always have this movie here so i'm like all right well i have to see what the big deal is right right so in a nutshell um it is written directed produced and edited by kitty green right um I'm not familiar with her work at all. She's an Australian filmmaker. Um, right. So it stars uh, Julia Garner, um, who Ozark fans would recognize her from, but I have never watched Ozark yet. I haven't jumped right. on that bandwagon as yet. So I hopefully when I do, I'll be like, all right, yeah, you that chick from this movie, right? Right. So what is about, it's essentially a drama, right? But kind of early people sort of market it as a or label it as a thriller even though it isn't but it kind of is right but in a thriller it involves um the character of Jean, right and it's basically just the day just a work day that we see through her perspective right um she's a junior assistant she's working at this um film production company in new york right um she's yeah. been there for like um a few weeks actually right but we just seeing how her day-to-day goes right and She's reserved, she's to herself. Um, there are few female workers there, more higher ups, but you see them off and on. But she's mostly there with some guys who just like you know check on scripts and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. And early on, you see like she's doing like these menial tasks, like she's um printing out you know headshots or you know checking to make sure that the, the scripts themselves are stapled properly or you know even as far as washing dishes and you know cleaning up after meetings and all that kind of stuff right and you know you're there like okay well this this is what like clearly this is not what she signed up for you know what i mean okay. like you know it's film right it's it's hollywood right you know it, it's okay if you start from the bottom right but oh gosh man you gotta be clean up after people that that's that's how you start yeah but what the show really centers on is her reaction basically or lack thereof to her surroundings, to her workplace itself, right? So the, the, the big threat, even though we don't see this person, is her boss, right? Um, her, okay. um, her boss calls her up ever so often every time she makes a mistake. And I mean, it's not even anything serious or whatnot, right? Just kind of little things that, you know, 
It's like, all right, you know, I make a call, whatever, you know, don't be so harsh with me. And he goes in hard on her, you know what I mean? He's vulgar to her, kind of demeans and all that kind of stuff. Right. There's even one really cringeworthy scene where he asks her basically to send him an apology email. Wait, like, so you, you never see him though? It's just stuff. You, you, you never see me. This here is right, okay. right. Just calls yeah. on, right. Okay. Right. Um, his wife would show up. There's a scene where his wife shows up. Um, his daughter shows up with the babysitter there. But basically, right. what the show is hinting at, right? Even well, uh, uh, sorry, it took me a while to pick up on, is that various women, mostly coming in for interviews and whatnot, wind up at the boss's office and right. they kind of reveal like you kind of see it through the reactions of the guys involved. They will kind of laugh and snicker and you know listen to them on the phone or whatnot. Uh, yeah, he's 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 having sex with them basically, right? Behind right, right. closed doors, um, the wife picks up on it, and you know she's always calling the office and saying, you know, where, where's, you know, where's my husband? I've right. been trying to call him, blah blah blah, all that kind of stuff, right? But she knows what's going on, and she she wants to more or less kind of do something, but she can't, right? Because she you knows she just wants to stay focused on the job, and things kind of change where a new assistant comes in to to work, right? But she feels worried to um at at what might happen to her. So, yeah, in a nutshell, that's really what it is. It's just her kind of trying to stick to what it is she's doing while all this external stuff going on around her, right? I'm making it sound simple, but really it, it goes way deeper than that, right? So right, just to right, jump right. into the review quickly. Um, so what? <laughs> so actually this show was inspired, believe it or not, by Harvey Weinstein. Of course. <laughs> yes, wow. yes, yes, yes. This, in a way, is kind of like a reference slash shot taken at you right. know, Harvey and the bullshit. There. That's really right, what so it the, is. Idea, the idea is just from a perspective where they, like, they frame it, you know, outside of the, the framework of him. That's right. So you, yeah. you kind of had a piece. And yeah, actually, that's, that's actually a, a pretty interesting take in the sense of, you know, why, why get away with bullshit for so long? It's because of the yeah. level of power and it's right from the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So, right, right, right. right. And, and you see that though. Um, even though like for me, going in blind, it took me a while to pick up on it, but I'll explain right. why in a bit. But right. yeah, you, you really, because you know what I mean? Like, what, what I love about this show here is that it doesn't come off in your typical Hollywood style. Like this is not, um, this is not Bombshell, for example, where, okay, you have like, um, Margot Robbie's character, who is, you know, being, you know, um, visualized sexually in one scene, right? And she's right. trying to keep it on the low. But you have Kate McKinnon's character who's trying to tell her, you know what I mean? Like, you need to kind of step up or move away or stuff like that. Like, this, like, right, right. it's not like she has other co-workers, female co-workers who could come and tell her, hey, you know what I mean? Get out of this job. You could do better, blah, 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 right? She has right. to kind of keep this on the low. She has to kind of move normally, even though she feels threatened, right? Um, even the, the, the high-ups themselves, the female high-ups, they just kind of like fed up of it. It's just like, whatever, right. but hopefully it just really... Can't do anything about it. Right. Exactly. And but that's that's, thing, really that's, that's a quick quick mention. That's uh-huh. the interesting thing about um, the, the whole ordeal with Weinstein is that eventually he was well overrun by... Um, you know, female CEOs or somebody along the lines of that now. So that's interesting how you make it, you play it in that way now. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So, um, yeah. right, so just to get the gripe out of the way, um, I did feel like the show did take a long while to get to what it was getting at, the point it was getting at, sorry. Um, because, it, yeah, it moves at a slow pace. Not too right. slow, but 
for its 90 minute run yeah it, it does move slow but the right. idea is that you're supposed to feel the sort of monotony of things you know what i mean like how she's doing this but it seems like time is just stopping things not really going anywhere right um it right. seems it feels busy and everybody else seems to be having fun but she's going out and ordering coffees you know like buying coffees for everybody else and you know i mean just doing all these these menial jobs that yeah you know that that kind of thing what i love about the show also too is how it frames it so it's not like oh it's about the bad boss but it's really about um, it can really kind of con- um, compare to like, yeah, like if you were working in a job journey and you had to do stuff for other people, like, you know, you're the intern there, so you had to yes. just do stuff for other people because you're the intern, right? So I love how relatable it is, right? And um, uh, Julia Garner herself, I thought that she was great as Jane, right. uh, or resilient she was. At first, I was like, you know what, see something, and she does see something at times. Like, I thought she would uh, fight back or whatnot, but, you know, it's not that type of film. It's not that type of hollywood film where it ends with the you know hero rising up and stopping yeah, the yeah. man quote unquote right it's just putting you into her mind space right right and that's where it is um so for some people like if you're going expecting some thriller it's not really it's just a drama um and if i just have another gripe too is okay so not seeing that she have to do some kind of big bold thing to stop this guy from doing what yeah, yeah. he's doing but at the same time you're just kind of wishing that you know she she, she at least kind of one-ups him in some way you know what i mean but nah, yeah, right. that's right. not right. what they're going for it's just a day in her life this is what she has to deal with and spoil it they just kind of leave it open where you know you don't know what's going to happen next for her but right yeah this is her reality and she could choose what she wants out of it right um, the supporting cast is great as well, but you know it's all about Julia, and I thought that Julia really shone in this, right? Um, and even though yes, it does take a while to get to its point, uh, you really do like. In my case, I, I I came out really feeling rather sorry for her. You know what I mean? Like I said, yeah. I just wish that she could have just done a little something so she could have just walked out to the show with a, with a little smile on her face and a little confidence. But no, it's just nah. This is what she had to deal with, right? Um, I will say though it's not gonna be for everyone, um, mainly because of the pace and also um I don't know, like it it is I would say it is centered it, it is um women will really appreciate this, right? Um guys will appreciate it in terms of the, the craft and you know the acting involved, but you know, this will resonate more with women, you know what I mean, which is fine, you know what I mean? I mean that's that's yeah. that's what they're going for. So for me, like I got everything that was going on, but you know, if I if I was a woman, I'd be like, yeah, boy, you know, I, mean? I can relate to this. You know, what I mean, right. yeah, boy, you know, what I mean, because it's it is very much me too, right? It is very right. much that. Right, right, right. So honestly, I can't, you know, have this film up on this pedestal like everybody else does. But it is still right. a very, very, very well well made film. Once again, it's not going to be for everyone because of the piece and also because of the subject matter and how slow things feel, but there is really a lot going on, a lot internally. And once you get into that, once it locks in, that is when you really feel the just the story. So, uh, rating-wise, I'm going to give this a strong four out of five, man. Um, I, right. Maybe with a few more viewings, I might give it a four and a half. But, yeah, the praise is deserved as far as best of the of the years. Um, it is very different, I would say, as far as, you know, um, your mainstream um, Hollywood movies go. But I would say, yeah, give it a look. Um, if this topic isn't your cup of tea or you just want to have a show where things 
you know, happen, quote-unquote, and the hero rises and does something, you know, visually to to stand up against this person. It, it's not that type of person. It's supposed to, it, it puts you in this character's shoes, basically, for a day, and that's pretty much what it is, right? But right. it does it so well, so effectively. So, yeah, um, if you're curious, I highly recommend checking out The Assistant. I've, I really have a feeling that if I watch it over again, you know, because like I say, I went in blind. I didn't know what was going on. But if I go in again and just kind of take in everything that's going on, I could I could see it making it to my, to my top 20. I can't really say right now. If anything, it might be an honorable mention. But yeah, it, it does deserve the best of 2020, you know, title that it currently has. Okay. Uh, speaking of that, now we're going to get to a show that I don't know how this got under my reader. Because it's from our boy Spike Lee, American Utopia. Okay. Yeah, this is a concert film, actually. Um, it is oh, a live right. recording That's of a Broadway performance, basically. So it's from um, David Byrne, who is a well, a British American singer, songwriter, musician, all the works. And he was, well, a former member of the art rock group called Talking Heads. Okay. Now, I've always heard of the band, but I've never. We, I've, 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 like if you just tell my talking heads out the the one thing i'll just remember is a well another concert film now called stop making sense um this came out in 1984 it was it was directed by jonathan demi um people actually re, uh, revere it as one of the, the greatest concert films of all time i have yet to see it right um yes. But yeah, it's just essentially about the band doing the covers, doing the album, oh sorry, doing the songs and whatnot. But it's the way how they perform, the way how they dress, the the mannerisms and all that. And it carries across here because um, when it comes to his performances, David Byrne has a quirky way of doing things, right? Of, of you know, of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Of presenting himself on stage, right? So it's basically him and this 12-member band, right? So it involves, you know, backup singers, um, you know, guys on bass, you know, I mean, drums and whatnot. And they all dress in, like, this gray work clothes, basically, right? And they're all barefoot. And it kind of fits, too, because, you know, the, the background itself is gray. Um, there's, like, this sort of... Um, I forget what you call it. Like, these beads that are... You know, that, um, more or less filling the, the, the background of the stage itself. So characters kind of yep. come in and out of that, right? But yeah, just the aesthetic of it is, you know, just this drab gray color, right? And they dress appropriately. Um, and the reason behind that now is because, well, they, well, in the performances of they utilize a lot of, you know, light, right? So the way how they shine light in certain spots in certain areas of the performances. Um, right. Yeah, and, you know, just the, the shadows that are cast, you know what I mean? It, it just adds to the overall feel of it. Um, but, you know, I was I was watching this, right? I was like, all right, I didn't even know Spike Lee did this. I didn't even know this movie exists. Um, it came out on HBO Max a couple of months ago, actually, and I was, well... That's not, yeah, I was like, it, it, it feels like something that I would have known about because, I mean, it's Spike right. Lee, Jared, so... Yeah, I don't know well, how I, this is passed underneath my radar. It's something, it runs song and familiar because the thing, the thing is, I don't follow like, Spike on social media, so it would have passed me. But something like this would have come up in my usual circles. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I, it's something real familiar because you, you, you mentioned it and you keep talking about it. And it's like, 
I swear I watched this, you know. I swear I watched this at some time. But like it I, I, I would be so happy if you did, but maybe okay. when I talk about it, it, it should, you know. Um... Well, for some reason, for some reason, I just completely memory hold this. So it was spring, so I, I, I was busy. So it was like, all right, well, there's a thing. And I see Spike Lee name on it. But I think I, think I probably dismissed it because he just, I thought he just produced it. So I don't know. Whatever. Okay, okay, okay. But right. um, I'm actually enough. not surprised by this, right? Because... Sorry, because I'm not familiar with David Byrne's work right. or the talking heads. The, the, the question that was just lingering when I watched this, right, was why would Spike Lee be involved in this, right? That's the right. question. So what American Utopia is about, right, it is actually a studio album that David Byrne released in 2018, right? And um, it's basically this art pop slash art rock album thing, right? It's not a concept album as such, but it's more yeah. like his view on his quirky kind of offbeat look at, you know, the everyday man in America, right? You know what I mean? Um, what they have to do to survive and kind of just looking, just kind of powering through all the bullshit and all the negativity and just making yeah. the most of the situation, right? And that's what it is about. Um, and one thing about this guy here is that he uses, well, all right. So there's a, a moment where he references this um, this data artist, right? I forgot right. the guy's name, but basically, I think he was um, is some piece that he put out in the thirties. Um, basically, him just talking gibberish, like nonsense. Yeah, yeah. But he's saying that he's talking okay. nonsense to kind of express the you know, the nonsense going on in society now. So, right, we right, how right, he right. articulates yeah, that's, that's, that's is quite, old. you know, simple now. Yeah, right. That, yeah, that's kind on, of the whole point. Yeah, no, that's kind of the whole point of Dadaism. It's like, it was right. just, oh, all this crazy shit going on. I think Dadaism come out right after World War One now. So, it's like, oh, yeah, well. Right, right, right. Okay, he did mention yeah. this was the um, during the rise of of um, of the Nazis and all that kind of stuff. He, right, he gave right, a, yeah. a list real lesson there, right? Yeah, yeah. so... The way how, you know, his songs are, they, they, they come off simple, come off a light. Sometimes he will just use, like, these weird references and stuff like that. Like, I think, like, the opening song involves, you know, um, the brain and, you know, connections and whatnot. But he makes yeah, a yeah. very good point at the beginning and the end saying that, you know, uh, maybe you could tell me if you knew about this or if you heard it somewhere of his bullshit. Um, essentially saying that... Um, when you're young, when you when you grow up now, when you're a baby, you know what I mean. Your brain has all these neurons and connections, but the older you get, um, these connections more or less get cut off. So okay. the question is whether you become, you know, less smart as you get older, you know what I mean, or not. You know what I mean. So no. it's that kind of. Thing. I know. It, yeah, it that, well, I, I, nah, I think I think guys. No, the only thing it is, it's supposed to be more to do it with sense data. So I think babies have a kind of general synesthesia when they're young. That is where they, that is where we can remember much as a child because we have no clear distinction of um, sense data. No. Right, like right, hearing right. and yeah. From what I understand, yeah. that seems to be the case for young children, very young children. Whatever. Yeah, not 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 seeing that that David was talking crap, but I just passed. Well, whatever. I mean, is is you know again, it's a big deep like scientific thing, but art people don't have to like make a case for that anyway. So it's like whatever, good enough. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Right. So he just kind of uses that to talk about well, basically how we deal with everyday life, right? right. Um, there's right. one song involving um you know television and how we get so wrapped up in television, you know, what I mean, both as a but as a as a necessary and unnecessary escape from society, right? right. Um, I'm not gonna bring up you know song titles as yet. Well, there's only like one song that I know. 
Well, two songs um actually I'm just gonna bring up actually, right? So the one song that I do know from you know Talking Heads is Once in a Lifetime. Um I've okay. actually heard this song so much times, one of the best songs in the 80s, but I never knew it was it was that band that that did right. it. So yeah, in this performance here, he actually um he actually does a rendition of it and it it works, right? You know what I mean? It feels relevant, you know what I mean, to this day, even though, yes, for the 80s since and all that kind of stuff, it still feels relevant. Um, well, what I dig about his music is that it's not, um, like, it's not Devo, like, it's not, like, this kind of nerdy kind of rock pop kind of thing, but it has that kind of slight nerdy distance, like, well, once again, you know what I mean? It, it's it's art rock, or, or, or I don't know, we call it backpack rock or backpack pop or something like that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. something that's too too out there, man. You know what I mean? Like you know what I mean? This is just for this click here who you know we reads a lot and thinks a lot about the world. You know, it has that kind of feel to it, right? Uh, one thing that that really surprised me here is that uh, well, the album itself is pretty short, right? But because this movie clocks in like about an hour and fifty minutes, he incorporates songs that he you know did for other albums right so like that same song once in a lifetime is there he also does um this song from wigil um janelle money called hell you tell hell you tom about right okay. which was from yeah. the electric lady yeah 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 so in that well he basically was saying you know what i mean um he talked he, he actually spoke to her and he was like okay i, I saw you perform the song at this rally, I would like to use this for my show. And she's like, yeah, cool, right. you know what I mean? Right. And he he does it justice. And here is where you get to see the Spike Lee-isms. Because I was like, I'm not seeing the Spike Lee-isms. Right? What are the Spike Lee-isms? Yeah. So because it's all about, well, you know, um, fallen African-Americans, you know what I mean, who lost their lives to, you know, violence and stuff like that. You have, like, you know, um, George Floyd, you know what I mean? You have, like, just different people. Well, sorry, I should say portraits being held up by a relative of the person who died right and you would just see like to the side you know the person's name born death all that kind of stuff right and i was like yeah this is this is what i was wanted to see you know what i mean that just that moment where the film kind of stops while the music is playing to kind of hit you at this point right yeah. um and it's like the, the one true moment where it's like okay this is about our times. Well, this is about the you know, the the, the African American struggle, basically, right? But as a whole, it's just really about yeah, just life in general, right? Like the shit that we have to deal with right now. And it's kind of funny too that you know this. I believe this was recorded in 2019, right? The album came out in 2018, and then he did this Broadway show for it. Um, I think from 2018 to about 2019. But right. um, it's clear that they filmed this and then you know put it together, you know now, right? So. Yeah. The best way to really sum it up is it's kind of like his take on what's going on. Well, sort of sort of an unconscious take of what's going on or unintentional take on what's going on in 2020. You know what I mean? What yeah. we have dealt with over the past 11 months. And he's just kind of presented, not in this bleak, hopeless way, even though there is, you know, a bit of darkness in it. But sort of, you know what? It's kind of weird. It's kind of nonsensical. It's kind of silly. But... I could see the hope in it somehow, so I'm I'm kind of optimistic. You know what I mean? Like I may come off kind of weird with my with my pantsuit on and you know barefoot or whatnot, and the kind of lyrics I spit in. But I'm kind of hopeful. You know what I mean? And he's also yeah. aware of what's going on around him, which is what I really dug about the performance. But speaking about of the performance wise, though, I thought that you know um, everybody killed it. Um, it's not like Hamilton, for example, where 
you have like, like yes you have a bunch of cameras about but you know it's not like there's this literal narrative that's going on it's a concert film right so it's yeah. just saw me being played you see the audience clapping and cheering blah 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 that's really what it is right um so it's not like visually sorry directing wise spike lee does all these incredible things but you know i will give him credit he does put you in the middle of the show so i would say like if you are a real fan of talking heads and david byrne you'll enjoy every song for me i was just like okay i'm I'm getting into that i'm getting into it like i wish going in and knew who this guy was or i'd be like oh okay that song that song that song i know he's a legend but i just don't know about his music right i'm sorry um but yeah, the performances are great. I mean, David Byrne, who is pretty old right now, um, he, you know, yeah. he could still command the stage, so he could still sing. You know, he does a little weird little robotic dances ever so often. Um, the other members of the band, they, they complement him very well. And what's really cool, too, is that it's like wireless um, instruments that they're using, right? Which right, right. works because it doesn't keep them to the back of the stage, right? They right. follow him, they, 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 right. they, they work their way yeah. into the performance and it works, right? right. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So everybody comes in and do the it's it's a collabor- it's a it's a collective basically. It feels like a collective just performing for this audience here. And yeah, that's really what American Utopia is. It's just this much lauded performance being filmed by Spike Lee, and that's it. But he just okay. managed to find a way to make it feel relevant today, which I, which, which I feel is the reason why it came out in 2020 and not 2019. Because this right. could have just come out then and be like, yeah, you know what I mean? The, the, the show that you've been hearing about, here comes out today. So it's kind of like, in a way, like how Hamilton came out this year when it could have come out, you know, years right. ago. Right, like right. That. But okay. this last reference to, to Hamilton again, to Rita, um, but I still feel, you know, Hamilton is admittedly the better film because of just the scope of it, just because of how, right? You know, it was it was just so well put together, right? And I just I don't just talk about the the guy the the performance on stage, but just where the camera was framed, you know what I mean? And you know, just the movement of everything on stage. Here is just a concert performance. So if you're going expecting Hamilton, you're not you're not gonna get Hamilton. It's not that. It's just a performance from this guy who's weird, but he's good weird, right? And he makes good right. weird music. That's what it is. So, rating-wise, um, I'm going to give this a strong 4 out of 5, man. Um, I believe, yeah, if you're a fan of this guy, you will love it. But, you know what I mean? For me, going in for the first time, I, I, I dug his music. I really dug his music. And I really got the relevance of why I came out here. I'm not going to say this is one of Spike Lee's best joints, but this was this was actually something kind of unique and different in this over um, thus far, like I would have never associated him with this band. I, I thought he would have, I don't know, have him do some public enemy, you know, performance or something. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, stuff where we have performers talking about stuff that's relevant to Spike Lee and what he's been talking about for decades and decades, right? But here's this guy who is a legend, but he has his own weird, unique way of touching on the same stuff that we all thinking about, we all concerned about, we all worried about, right? And yeah, it 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 works to that degree. So if you're a fan of concert films, if, if you're a fan of David Byrne, Talking Heads, um, yeah, give it a look, man. But just don't go in expecting Hamilton. It's not Hamilton, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And last, 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 last thing now, sorry, in terms of the gauntlet here, his house. This was a movie that I've been hearing 
nothing but praise about um, since it came out on Netflix um, literally on Halloween's Eve, right? And I wanted to check it out um, since it came out, but, you know, things just came up, right? And, you know, even up to the point where I, start, where I was going to watch it, I was like, should I do, you know what I mean? Should I still, if it is it all hype and, you know what I mean, it's, it's kind of going to be disappointing, you know? Um, but I'll answer that question a bit, right? So, this is written and directed by Remy Weeks. Um, I'm actually not familiar with this director at all, right? But it's actually a British film, right? Um, it's, well, okay, so the, the, the one person who I recognize in this, well, sorry, two people I recognize, right? But the one reason why I wanted to see this was the actress uh, Wonmi Mosaku. Last time we saw her was in Lovecraft Country. She was Julie Smollett's um, older sister. Yeah. So I was like, all right, okay, you know, expanding her range and whatnot, you know. And I would like, she, she's one of those people who's kind of forget that that she's British. Well, actually Nigerian um, British, right? Okay. Um, also, Matt Smith's in this. Okay. Yeah, did, did not know that as well, but yeah, he's in this as well, uh, as well right? But um, alongside Wunmi, we have the actor Sopi Dursu. Um, if I got the name wrong, please forgive me, right? He is also a British actor, right? He starred in some films in the past, right? What is about it centers on this um, couple, right? Um, Ball, who is played by, you know, Sopi, the guy, and yeah. Rial, who is played by Wunmi, right? And they are from South Sudan, you know what I mean? They are refugees. They hint at, you know, this war between two tribes and whatnot. So, you know, they're trying to escape. They make their way onto this boat with their daughter. Um, I get the name. Their, their daughter, um, Nyagak, that's her name. And in the process, she, you know, falls over, you know what I mean, in the, into the ocean now and drowns and dies, right? But, you know, fortunately, the couple makes their way to, to England themselves, right? And um, while at this detention center, they, they're called one morning and basically told that, okay, we found a place for you guys, Um you know, we you, you you guys basically are out on bail, right? So don't think that everything is just gonna be all sunshine and rainbows from this point on, right? Right. So we we, we found this home for you guys, is in this sort of apartment complex kind of. Um this is where you're gonna be. Um you can't have any friends or rel oh, sorry, not relatives, you can't have any friends there. Um you have to follow our rules basically, right? So by the time they get there, the place is is what they, they, they stress on is how big that place is relatively to other to the homes that you know um other people live in right um right well, white you know um londoners live in right because yeah it's it's in london um it's wide yes but it's very 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 run down um you know what i mean just um everything just looks broken down you know what i mean like the lights don't work properly it just looks drab it just looks really messed up right like you know the person just like literally like a tornado just passed through it right but yeah. hey, this is where they have to go, right? So Matt Smith, he's more or less the advisor. He drops him off there. He tells him the rules and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, oh, sorry, well, not Matt Smith. Well, somebody else comes in for him, right? And while they're there, they, they're more or less, you know, trying to spruce up the place, make everything nice and whatnot. And yeah, just try to live their lives, right? Just start their lives anew. But unfortunately, though, well... <laughs> The place just so happens to be quote unquote haunted, right? They see right. spirits of you know various um, Sudanese people, including their dead their dead daughter as well, 
um, the wife makes mention of this witch. Well, I've, I forgot the name of the, the, the witch character, but it's part of the um, folklore who shows up and it's part is really because of some blood debt, right? So oh. he, the witch, sorry, accuses the, the husband of killing the daughter, right? So the idea is that he has to sacrifice his body just to pay that, um, to you know, to, to atone that, right? And essentially, it's just these two characters in his house, losing their shit, seeing a bunch of weird stuff, yes. and more or less confronting their past and just learning something about themselves. So just to get this out of the way, I kind of love this movie. Okay. This hands down yeah, nice. is one of the best horror movies. Sorry, is the best horror movie of 2020. Right. I know that's not really saying much given the out, the the output of horror films we got this year, but now nah, this one really really got to me. But I I was actually so shocked that it took me so long to get to this point. I'm so so happy that I actually checked it out. Right. Uh, what makes it work though is well, just to get the great out of the way. Um, I thought that the direction for this was was strong, but it was very, very well handled. Um, it borrows heavily from, you know, um, many American haunted house films. You know what I mean? One show in particular, the show makes reference to, not heavy reference to, is The Shining, right? You know, the idea right. of this house and it's both the internal and external forces that affect in the family. And you're not right. sure what to believe, who to trust and all that kind of stuff. And they play that very same thing here. You know what I mean? You'll see, you know, being the the the, the, the um the daughter being this um this sort of evil spirit trying to kill, well, you know, the parents. But when you when they explore the, the daughter's character and you understand what went on, it's like, oh, okay, that's what's going on, right? Um, but really true it to the reference, um, the dad himself. I couldn't help but see, um, you know, well, Jack Torrance, right? A.K.A. Um, Jack Nicholson's character from uh, from The Shining, yeah. right? Who comes in normal and, you know, he sees all this weird stuff, but he believes that he he needs to be here, like he he needs to be long here. So there's this um, this more or less this um, team running where he says, "This is my house. I'm not leaving." Uh, even when he goes back to the same center and well, he meets Matt Smith there. And he's telling him about all this weird stuff that's going on, right? And he, well, of course, Matt's watching, like, okay, you're going crazy and whatnot. We don't understand, right? Um, but still, he's still adamant about staying at this place because, I mean, what else is there for him? You know what I mean? Like, where, 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 where expect him to go? You know what I mean? Given what he went through. So it makes sense. But the uh, wife now is a lot smart. Well, I shouldn't say a lot smarter, but she picks up on things and she's the one who brings up the whole witch thing, right? And she's right. like, yeah, we got to get out, right? So is that clash between staying and getting out, right? Um, I thought that the camera work was very well done. You know, the lighting, you know, the cinematography was fantastic. Um, and you got some genuinely chilling moments, so some genuinely great scares as well. Um, but I wouldn't say that this is like your average you know, jump scare kind of show. It's not about the visceral yeah. horror. It's more about the psychological and emotional, you know, drama that's going on too. Um, it also kind of reminds me of like the stuff like what um, Guillermo del Toro would do. Like, um, right. perfect example, The Devil's Backbone. That's a perfect right, example right. where he's using this horrible moment in history, you know, this war. But in this case here, it's, uh, you know, once again, this tribal war that's going on in Sudan, right? And, you know, the show itself doesn't stop to kind of tell you everything was going on, but you get little glimpses of it and you really see how bad it was and how it really affect people, right? And uses that as the backdrop to basically see, 
oh, you think just moving away from this is going to stop it? No, no, no. There's these demons, these ghosts of the past that's going to come and, you know, follow you guys, even yep. though they're technically away from this war. And it reminded me a lot of, like, what Del Toro did with, um, you know, The Devil's Backbone, right? Um, I thought that the acting was superb from top to bottom. Um, I really dug Sope, who played the, the husband, um, Wumi, who played the, the wife. Um, yeah, I, I re- I'm, I'm going to be looking out for... Wherever, she, wherever movie she stars in, she was great because she impressed me. And, um, in you know Lovecraft Country, this was the first time I ever really saw yeah. her in that sh- in in anything, right? But yeah, she killed it here. Um, of course, you know we they, they incorporate some Sudanese um you know dialogue ever so often just to make it authentic. But yeah, the the way how they they, they spoke, you know, what I mean just the mannerisms felt totally real to me. Um, and you really saw how they felt like aliens in this new world. Sorry, in this new environment, actually, and how it could feel, you know, scary, right? You know, um, intimidating at times, right? They even hint at, well, okay, so it's not like overtly racism that, you know, racist um, yeah. people involved, though, but you could tell that, like, even at the detention center, right? Which, yeah, is, is um, you know, is run by white people, right? White people work yeah. there. They're like, okay, well, here's what we have. So, you know, hold this, right? You know, yeah, go here. Sure, it have no water or the light's bad, but you know what? It, it, it's better only go here than, you know, we have to waste our time and resources treat helping you guys out, right? Right. So I know there's like a deeper social context there going on, right? But it gets even it's- sadder now when you have... Um, it's this one scene before I get to your thoughts, um, which eerily resembled um, the Shining, the me scene, right? Where right. you know Shelley Duvall and the, the son were trying to find their way back, and it's essentially the wife trying to get to the street, right? Because she has to go by the doctor, and she's walking and she's seeing these kids, and the kids kind kind of teasing her because she looks weird. Well, quote unquote, she even runs into like these three black teenagers, right? These these black boys, and they are all mocking her because of how she talks and. You know, you could right. kind of feel for her when it's like this, like one of them even say, go back to Africa and all that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, like right. you really feel how she felt in that moment. So I love how the show touches on those things without drawing them out. No, yeah, I was thinking of, um, you know, how they do in a lot of horror films, but in the context of some race or identity politics paradigm um, that yeah, works yeah. for the most part. So like... Um, Assassination Nation was a feminist thing, but it had a big action dynamic to it. Um, I, I, I really wanted to enjoy that show, but right, but you know, I don't know. Still, I felt right. tonally it was just all over the place, right? Right. Then um, this movie, um, did we review Blood Quantum here? No, we haven't. Yeah, but Blood Quantum is like a lot of I haven't heard it. <laughs> no, I haven't seen it, but I heard great things about it. But yeah, no, yeah. So, right. So something like that. Yeah, the how to up. Data horror movie, um, proper now. What out of date horror films and, and horror paradigms? You know, it could feel like this film or that film, but if you just put this twisted, this actually work a lot in its own way and, and has a higher dimension. To it. One of the reasons why Jordan Peele's stuff works so well, right? Um, exactly, exactly. And yeah, yeah conceptually, you, you, you know, it's it's easy yeah. to, to watch a show and think about, um, well, get out on us, right? Right, and right. Slight spoiler, there's even a moment where you know the character says, Get out, get out, get out. And I was like, Aha, I see what y'all did there. Yeah, yeah go on. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It's just, just people because a lot of people like to d- dump on on horror film, modern horror films. We go, oh, you're not being original or whatever. It is like, yeah, but it was never meant to be original. But it's more about catering to the the, the themes and audiences and whatever, whatever, whatever. Right, that. That's right. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it's exactly. like what Del Toro does. He takes the familiar, but he uses that to explore things that 
you know you haven't seen before may yeah. feel real or familiar to you but just never, you haven't seen it done in this way so yeah. yeah so you could tell that um that you know the the director remy um is really drawing from the greats you know many great horror films um you know like the shining um i also mentioned you know the devil's backbone yeah we're just taking the medium of horror to really explore you know really profound themes now. um well, in this case, well, you know, it's nothing. It's nothing new in the world of horror, but you know, it makes for some great films, right? Memorable films. You know, what I mean, just the horrors of the we of the real world. You know, what I mean, just um, what these characters have gone through, and just finding themselves in this new environment now and thinking, okay, well, we have to deal with these folks now, but at least it's not as bad as before. But now, in your own home, in your own sanctuary. Those same things that you try to avoid coming back at you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yet right. it, it just totally worked though. Um it really made for some really generally um generally emotional moments. So I think that's the reason why I love it so much. It's how emotionally driven it, it all is, right? Um you, you really do feel for the couple. You feel for the dad when he's losing his shit, right? You feel for the for the uh, wife when she's trying to deal with what's going on too. And it gets even better now when they reveal, you know, really what went on with the daughter too. And yeah, I'm not gonna spoil anything from this point though. But when that moment hit, boy, I was like, "Yeah, wow, okay." Because okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just really a matter of how far you're gonna go to survive though. But to whose detriment? That's all I'll say. Right. But yeah, boy, this this show really surprised me here. But I did not expect this thing to be so good. Uh, yeah. Right now, it has like a hundred percent on Rotten to my um tomatoes. I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, like, like normally when you see stuff like that, you take it, okay, people just kind of ride in the train and, you know, give it praise, you know, because it looked good or whatnot. But, no, I mean, the, the praise is well-deserved, though. I mean, it doesn't just look good, but the story is very well told. The, the characters are compelling. It's emotionally driven. And most importantly, yeah, it has some genuinely, you know, chilling moments, man. Um, yeah, some, some, some really solid scares in this. So yeah, um, not much more I, I could say. This is hands down the best horror film I've seen this year. And I haven't seen a lot, nor do I need to. But yeah, this one came, knock it out the park for me, as on Netflix, which which is even more shocking. So I'll go high with this one, but I'm going to give this a light four and a half out of five, man. This is okay. definitely one of the best shows I have seen all year. Um, really for me, this kind of shows that there is life in horror, right? Which, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean you know john peel and other directors other new fresh faces or writers have you know really kind of rejuvenated um horror right you know what i mean like it's not gonna go anywhere soon but i just love the fact that there are still horror films that don't just scare us or excite us but can make us think man you know what i mean make us feel and those to me you know what I mean, are the masterpieces you know what i mean where you know you, you come out that's just scared but you know you you feel something you know what i mean you you feel something about what you saw there so yeah um this is hands on one of the best films i have seen all year <laughs> dude this was a really crappy year boy but i'm glad that i finally I, I, i'm glad i took the risk to actually see this show dread and right. yeah i can't recommend this film enough dread you need to see this movie all right cool. I, all I right so here. yeah 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 please do please do please do it's a, it's on netflix dread. i mean duh. come on right right so, just sticking with uh, with with streaming for a little bit again, uh, Primal. Right, Second I did not. I did not make. I knew it came back, but I didn't give it. I didn't give it much uh, a chance. So, yeah, I'll tell me about it. I don't have time this week. 
Okay, okay. Well, well, well. That's that's okay. That's okay, right? So, we have reviewed Primal um, last year. You know, we right. on, on this podcast here. I give it a pretty high score. I really, really yeah. love the show. Um, you were, you know, you were, you were, you were, dis- you were fair to it, but I remember you see, right. you didn't really dig the animation all that much, and you felt that right. instead of, you know, a, a caveman and a and a T Rex, it should have been, <laughs> it should have been a well, it was a sea, but two tiger, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. And like, I was, like, I like you felt, you know, the era, you know, what I mean like the sorry, the yeah. Well, you know, I, the, I, the period there should have been a little bit different. Yeah, I wanted. Yeah, I wanted things to be more realistic, but it's clearly you know, kind of catering to the pulp sci-fi stuff now. So it's like, whatever. Exactly. That's that's really yeah. what it is. Um, and in this second half of the season, more more than, than, than the last one, really shows how inspired by, you know, pulp novels and, you know, well, pulp fiction, haha, right? And, well, you know, the stuff of Robert E. Howard, right? So Conan the Barbarian, you know what I mean? Red Sonia, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's where Gen D is really drawing heavily from, right? So, um, just like before, just gonna run through the the last five episodes. Just gonna run through, just premise wise, quickly what they're about, right? So, yes, episode six follows right after where the last episode stopped. That would be Rage of the Ape Man, right? So this one, Center Free, uh, follows where you know Fang is close to dying because you know the 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 Ape Man who. Uh, Getting juiced up by this green formula, and you know, I'm making them all crazy and bloodthirsty and whatnot. Um, you know, I mean, they they pretty much end up attacking um, Fang, right? So Spear now, you know, I mean, drinking that same juice now, again, all pumped up and turning Hulk and ripping ripping monkey bodies in half and all that kind of good shit. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so he's basically trying to to save Fang, right? Because yeah, for the for the first episode onwards, you know, we they, they have a bot, right? You know, we it's it's like the new I don't know, um, I don't know, insert hero and animal duo here, like I don't know, and hooch, whatever. I, I don't know, I can't take a hit right now, right? But yeah, it, it, essentially they are like the dynamic duo, right? They they work together, they help each other out. Um, Spear really does care for Fag and you know, likewise yeah. too, right? So. <laughs> In a really great moment, in a really great like series of moments, basically, uh, Spear gets Fang out of that same pit where you know the the eight men were, right? And essentially, it's just him trying to get her safe um, from you know just any 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 animal who basically uh, wants to feed on on Fang, right? So you have vultures, you have flesh-eating bugs, you know what I mean? You have wild dogs, literally, right? So. That's where it's about, right? That's why it's called Scent of Prey. It's just really about, well, Spear just having to get this large T-Rex from point A to wherever it's safe, right? And I thought that this episode really, really, really uh, hit the ladder for me. Um, pacing, story-wise, visuals, it just worked, right? And it gets some really, really badass moments, especially near the end, too. But I wouldn't spoil that, right? Um, next episode we have is Plague of Madness, right? This is why I call the the, the, the COVID one episode, because <laughs> what happens is that we have this uh, this dinosaur who is infected with some kind of rabies like virus, right? Yeah. Uh, well, what happens is that well, yeah, well, it's it's one of those I forget what you call those dinosaurs, right? You know the one with the long necks. I think the brachiosaurus, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, brontosaurus, brachiosaurus. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So, right. So like that, right? So you have this sort of raptor-looking dinosaur. It's not a raptor, but it looks like one, right? 
who is affected by this virus and it more or less like his flesh is 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 like um is oozing out and all that kind of stuff it really looks disgusting right and yeah it's puking all over like it is puking it is um, biting that that brachiosaurus and then that brachiosaurus just goes crazy and starts to puke blood and then attacks all the others uh all the other uh brachiosauruses in the hood and whatnot but yeah well yeah attack and basically wipe them out like really really brutal right uh one thing about this children um they, they really don't hold back on animal on animal on animal violence at all children. yeah like yeah like you know <laughs> they will just show animals just going brutal on each other children. like in this scene in particular we're taking these harmless dinosaurs and just like having one just decimate them is <laughs> crazy right but yeah long story short this the raptor who had the virus dies right um but the Brachiosaurus yeah. ends up just becoming sort of like a, this zombie-like, you know, rampaging creature, right? Just looking for something to feed on. And it just so happens that Spear and Fang run into him or it. Yeah. And it just involves this chase where they just try to evade this dinosaur. And that pretty much is it. Um, I would say this one is the most disgusting of the episodes. Um, just yeah. mainly because of the visuals that they use, though. Like, this this flesh eating virus and just see like skin being peeled off and stuff like that it works so I, I think it totally works so but for some this will this will kind of ride people's stomachs right but in a good yeah. way and it gave a nice little chase you know sequel sorry chase story basically involving these characters that, you know you would think you know with Spear and Fang being the badasses that they are right they would just go head first into trying to stop this thing but it's like no we have to avoid this thing at all costs, though, and I think that it, it works. Um, and overall, like like especially with this um uh, this episode here, um, another show that I'll kind of bring up to what it really reminds me of this show here, um, Heavy Metal, the oh, animated right, show from yeah. nineteen eighty one, right? Yeah, yeah. With the use yeah, of right. colors and how exaggerated they are, and how it gives this sort of surrealist take on things. Though. So, um, yeah. So especially with moments like that, there's a lot of bright colors being used as well. It just adds to the surreal look of yeah everything right and it, it just kind of makes the disgusting stuff look even weirder by comparison right but yeah I thought that this episode was was really really dope as well right uh then we had Coven of the Damned right this one is to me the weakest of this second half and the weakest of the whole season here but interestingly enough though here's where they can incorporate magic into this world okay. Well, dark magic, I should say. And when I was watching this, I was like, okay, now I've seen the, the Conan influence bleeding yeah, into the, it, the right? Edward, yeah, the Edward, Eddie Edward Rice borrows stuff, yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like, it, it works, right? But, I mean, if you're if you a real nitpicker, you'll be like, well, it, well, it's a prehistoric world, man. How they can learn about dark magic? How they could have spells? And oh, magic? yeah, I mean, that, that, like, as I said, this is well, no different from... Yeah. No, this is... There's no different from my complaint. I mean, I, I wanted things to be more realistic, but when I saw, well, as a dinosaur and is more akin to, you know, the old pulpy Edward Rice borrow stuff, I was like, all right, whatever. It's like, I'll just leave it. Um, so, like, anything is anything at this point. And that's yeah, yeah. it falls within the frame of that, that, these concepts or that, that premise. Right, right, right. Indeed. Yeah, so, you know what, I was like, alright, we're we doing witches here. So basically, right. it's this coven of witches, and what they do, they will they will um, 
they will kidnap a man well sorry they'll have a, a man prisoner time up um do a spell on him and essentially have him like suck his life essence out and that life essence will go into the leader of the witch of, of the coven sorry and she will give birth to a child right so right. yeah this is how they give birth right in this weird cult right um and here basically what happens is that well spear gets um he he becomes a prisoner but fang is brainwashed by an older um matriarch in the group itself right but she is able to go back in time she's able to see in people's past you know what led them to that point so she does this spear and fang she sees how they met you know i mean how fang lost her kids um from the you know premiere episode how spear losses and all that kind of stuff and they related to something terrible that happened to her kid, right? And, you know what I mean? She kind of feels a kind of affinity to the two of them because they, all three of them kind of lost something. So this is where they, 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 they're trying to hit the feels with this one. This is where they're trying to get all the emotional shit. But I just felt like story-wise, there wasn't really much going on. There wasn't that much action to it. It just dragged, you know what I mean? This is funny since each episode clocks in at like 20 minutes. Okay. And there's no, there's no room for... You know, for padding basically, right? Right. But here, but this it's one, it felt like yeah. it was just trying to aim for something that you know so heartfelt and whatnot. But I don't know. It it just kind of took away from what I want to see, which is just visceral thrills and what this got right. was just you know heartwarming shit, right? Yeah. So that one, I mean, it's fine, but you know, what I mean, I, I get what it's going for ambitious wise. But yeah, to me, that was that was the weakest, right? Second to last episode we have is the Night Feeder, right? This is where basically, once again, similar to the Plague of Madness, we have this creature that's more or less, well, it, in this case, is hunting down other um, animals, right? Other dinosaurs, like wiping them out. But you never really see what the creature is because they do the sort of, you know, high-speed POV yeah. shot of the, of the creature moving quickly through the yeah. trees and whatnot in the shadows, just wiping out, like just brutally just wiping out, um, you know, animal after animal, right? So in this case, it's basically, well, you know, Spear and Fang once again just having to, you know, defend themselves and fight them off. How they actually do it to the very end was really, really kick-ass, so I don't spoil that. But I thought that was really, this one was really good in terms of just, you know, tension, just how they build tension with that. Because that's really what they're going for. They're going for that whole... You know, alien kind of thing. You know, like the movie where you don't know what yep. the creature is, you don't know what the threat is, but it's like you just kind of waited to see where it's going to show up. So that's what they're going for, right? I wouldn't have, I would not have um, expected a story like that in this show, but they they make it work. They make it work for the for the most part. And the episode here, well, the last one, see the well, I can't really see the best for last, but see the most intriguing one for last. This is called Slave of the Scorpion. Now, yeah. I'll try my hardest not to spoil too much with this, but here is where they really, really expand the world of Primal itself. Because what happens is that Spear and Fang pretty much, and um, they run the encounter, sorry, this bald-headed woman, um, she's a slave because she has this, um, this sort of color, basically this um, wooden color around her neck, basically, and she has um, armlets, right? Metal armlets on her wrist, right? And yeah. she has a scorpion tattoo in the back of her head, right? We're not. She's being chased by this creature. I'm not going to see what it is, but of course, you know, Spear and Fang do their thing, and um, she just ends up more or less tagging along with them, right? And 
in the process, well, what we learn is that she is, well, more educated, I would say, that than they are, right? Because she actually yeah. teaches Spear how to literally cook. Because, you know, he's a man, he would just, like, kill, like, just use, use a spear and stab things and then just... Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Right? That's, like, that's 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 culture. Right. Yeah, yeah. culture going on in the world, right? Somebody could... Yeah, yeah. Cook, yeah. E- exactly, right, right. And then she's the one who will actually get some well she actually gets a turtle shell and you know makes a little super what that and she actually cooks food does like what you know what I mean and yeah. they had a really funny moment involving um spears taste of well him tasting cooked meat for the first time it's really really hilarious right yeah but uh what another another thing that, that was really interesting here is that uh well she could actually talk she she actually knows right like dialogue right speak uh, so language, she, right a yeah, language, she speak right. a language right it sounds very Middle Eastern from, from what I've got what I gather. I don't think it's an actual um, language, like a distinct language, but it right. sounds very, very Middle Eastern in my opinion, right? Well so they, they, they're trying to do the they're trying to do the whole Panlang um <coughs> what is Game of Thrones Bakraki stuff. You know, you're right to do. You're you're right. Yeah, because right. it is very it is very dot rocky when you think about yeah. it, right? Yeah. yeah. I did pick up on that. That that's a really good observation. But yeah, uh she actually introduces her name as like, well, wow, you know what I mean? So it's like, wow, she actually has a name, right? And essentially what the show what the episode is about, this actually along with with um, the episode that I mentioned, Covered of the Damned, it's actually one of the tamest episodes in terms of, you know, violence. And there's not much Violence will go in this one except leading up to the end, right? But yeah, essentially it's just Spear and Fang learning about the world somewhat while they go on this journey there. Uh, I just heard trying to get to this particular spot, but something happens. There's a, I don't want to spoil anything beyond that. Reveal that happens in the end, though, and it's like, oh, people in this world are way more advanced than you may think, you know what I mean? Okay, not right. Overly advanced, but in terms of like, the natural progress of history, right? Like, think, uh, right. think civilizations, right, right. like, think the game civilizations, think like that, like, think like this is the next step in human evolution. I will say no, it involves... Yeah, cultural evolution, yeah. I mean, the mere fact right. that she have a language at all and she could cook says a lot. I mean, that's, that means, yeah, at least within the Bronze Age, maybe. Or exactly. past Stone yeah. Age. Yeah. Because yeah. say... Fang is clearly Stone Age, or a little, yes. uh, probably a little above that, but she's, like, at least Bronze Age, right? That's right, that's right, that's right. And it's a nice little punctuation that they have at the very end. I'm not going to spoil it. It's it's kind of awesome. But it right. leaves it open now, well, of course, for a new season, right? And I hope that we do get that because if they ballsy enough to just end the episode like that, it'll be like, nah, you, you can't just end the episode. You can't just end things like that. Like, <laughs> I mean, like you can't be that bleak, you know what I mean? But it works too, it, especially when they reveal and what they do in terms of world building. So, um, the quality barbarian reference here. This to me, this this second half feels more like this is Jenny's take on well the Hyborian age. That's the right. world of quality barbarian, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. You will right. have mm-hmm. well, you know, Conan being the Sumerian. He's more of the kind of rugged forest type character. Yeah. But then you have these more advanced types, right? Yeah, you have these more advanced types, right? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah and evil Tulsa Dooms. You're right. Then you have your, your evil cults. You know what I mean? You have your Tulsa Dooms and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Right. So, but it like like you know like the the like the source material like the movie itself is just this character just going from place to place, exploring these new worlds, these new societies, and you know just seeing how advanced they are. 
And I dug that with a show here, right? So I'm not gonna be like, well, you know, how how can a caveman exist if we're in the quote unquote bronze age? Blah 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 blah. Like right. this is not mm-hmm. what they go with at, right? But it's just about how the world expands around the character of Spear. Because you would think, oh, it's just about caveman shit. But I like that there's a bigger world outside there. The way there's a whole new world, quote unquote, in there, right? So I really, really dug that about the season here. And, you know, it just leaves the, the door open to, to so much possibilities. That, like, you know what I mean? Where, where, where are we going to take our heroes? Like, how far are they going to go? What are they going to learn? You know what I mean? Will Spare speak? You know what I mean? All these kind of questions in these open trend. But I just love the world building that they do here. It's none too elaborate or, you know, incredible, but it feels not so much realistic, but it feels logical. Like, yeah. This will be the next step, you know what I mean? So I, I really, really dug that. Um, it really draws heavily from, you know, other shows of the of you know of, of, of a similar vein. So it has, you know, um, it evokes Conan the Barbarian, you know what I mean? Um, it also evokes um Apocalypto. If I see how I will kind of spoil, you know, a certain right. moment. Right, but right, yeah, right. I, I I picked up on Apocalypto <laughs> basically in this, right? But yeah. Um the, the violence is still there. My God, the, the animal and animal violence in this too. You know what I mean? They don't really hold back on it. Um, even how Spear and Fang himself will just fight off animals and just attackers and threats and whatnot. It, it, it's awesome, right? And because you have Tyler Beats, you know what I mean, doing the production, sorry, uh, uh, doing the music for this. Yeah, yeah. It, it fits you immediately into the in, into three hundred mode. Like that's one thing that that struck me. Like from episode one, day one, right? That's how the music felt like it was from you know the movie three hundred. Then when I saw Tyler Bates, he was like, "Yeah, well, you know, because he do the score for that, so it it makes sense, right?" Yeah. Um, but really, where the show shines though is the storytelling, by just the visual storytelling. Um, I would say if you are animator or a budding animator. This is the kind of show you gotta watch just to learn how to tell stories through images. Yeah. And just the mere yeah. fact that you have a character who barely speaks and every time he speaks is like rawr, rawr, rawr. <laughs> you have a, you have Fagno who of course roars, right? Because she's a T-Rex, right? Yeah, it just makes for some great visual moments, right? Storytelling moments. Um the, the, the stories themselves are very bare bones, they they're very familiar. We got a lot of that with, with, the, with the Clone Wars and the, the Samurai Jacks, right? Of course. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I know for some people, they might just find it to be a little too gratuitous, a little too right. gory, just like uh, just an excuse to show characters being killed in like the worst ways. But in this world that Jenny created here, boy, it feels... It feels logical. It feels like this is how it is. It's survive. It's, it's either you fight, you run and hide, or you die. That's how it is. That's yeah. the will. But I'm really curious to see how that expands now and see that, yeah, we have characters who are cultured, who know magic. Yeah, that whole magic thing they have to explain too. There's one quick thing about the magic, right? So I'm not sure if the the, the same eight-man episode that I told you about, right? Episode five. And the same thing with the the witches, right? Could they incorporate this sort of green thing? Well, in, in, in the with the Amen case, it was this green kind of formula thing that they were drinking, right? Literally like steroids. Right. But in uh, in the, the covered now, the covered episode, it was literal magic. So I don't know if there's like a reference between like a like a sort of relation between the two. And then also, slight spoiler, the final episode, there are some ape 
eight men warriors again. So I'm not sure if it's the same type that were in that right. um, mid-season episode. I'm not too yeah. sure. Because, you know, once again, they're thinking like, okay, if this is the world of Conan, you have, I forget, there was like this particular tribe uh, that was just like these savages, you know, you know what I mean? But in the movie itself, Tulsa Doom had one of them as a guard, you know what I mean? Sorry, as a scout. So, yeah, and technically in that episode, the eight men were scouts, right? That's all I'll say. So, yeah, I'm wondering now if that's, you know, part of the world building itself there. So, you know, it, 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 you break it is going so much different, different directions that I imagine the, the creative team could just go as far as they could, you know what I mean? Just really try to flesh out the world even more. And, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what they do next. I really hope that this is not the, the only season we're going to get. They really do need to continue this. Okay, uh, yeah, I've been on board since episode one, day one, right? Um, the last thing, last thing, uh, last yeah, thing I'll see is that, yeah, this show is violent. It is very, very, very violent. So if you, if you are, uh, this is not for the feet of heart, my dear. Right? So don't let its cartoonish look fool. Don't, don't let the fact that it's a cartoon fool your dread. It's TBMA for a reason. And I don't remember something that another criticism that you had, right? I'll get to read it in a bit, where you were a little iffy about the animation. Um, to yeah. me, I kind of dig the rugged style of how everything looks, right? Like the 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 character creature designs. Like it's not real, of course, because it's animated. It's animation, right? But yeah, yeah, I remember you that liking the design of Spear that much. He looks too, you know blocky kind of you know I, I, I forget what it was but I, I know you had an issue with the animation like how the characters look but for me it just kind of fits the the ruggedness of of the the world itself right it had to look rugged so yeah have the character look kind of rugged and distorted in a way um and it really does remind me a bit of like heavy metal the way like how the character design for that show was yeah. you know what I mean? so yeah um I uh, still, I, I totally dig the season here as a whole. Um, it's not perfect, mind you. A couple of episodes didn't really stick the ladder for me. But, you know, the world building is what really surprised me here with this one. But I didn't think that they were going to go this far and this logical with the world building. And, yeah, just have me, it just left me excited for the next season, which I hope I'm going to get. So, rating-wise, yeah. I'm going to give this, you know, a lighter, decent four and a half out of five. If you are a fan of Jenny's work, you know, if you love Samurai Jack, uh, you know, Dex's Laboratory and all that kind of stuff, you're going to love this. If you're just a fan of animation, you need to, to check the show out as soon as all 10 episodes are out right now. If you don't like the violent over the topness of the world, yeah, just, just, just skip it. But yeah, this is one that you definitely need to check out. And Ricardo, I really hope that you check out the last five episodes. Maybe you might like yeah, them. Maybe you might like them. Sorry, maybe you won't. Maybe you might be eh, but I really do recommend you check right. them out. All right, the last thing, last Greenland, which is one of the films right now, which is showing in local theaters. Ha, ah, right. Yeah, which, so yeah. Ricardo, okay. So before I begin, uh, I was aware of when the trailer came out first. I didn't watch it. I didn't want. I just I didn't watch it. I didn't want the story to be spoiled anyway. Right. All I knew, it was Jared Butler, and it was a disaster film. It's kind of funny right. because oh. he was also in a previous disaster film called Geostorm, which right. I was going to see in IMAX, and luckily something came up, and I never got to see it. And then I heard how bad it was. So, yeah. Uh, so, I, I guess in your case, since you saw it, you could kind of compare the two, right? Because yeah. I just hear it bad, right? I, I never see it. 
but yeah, this was supposed to come out theatrically, but then, you know, because of COVID, you know, plans kind of change. But I was expecting the show to come out, well, you know, December, right? Because I believe that was that's when it's going to come out uh, on VOD. But not only did it come out theatrically down here uh, in Trinidad, but it came out on Amazon Prime. So I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> why why, why now should I go theaters to watch that when I could like literally stay home and watch it on Amazon Prime, which is exactly what I did and what you did, right? So anyway, what is Greenland about? Right. So um, it's basically something along the lines of they found a comet, you know, a fragment of a comet coming to Earth. And... They have only a few days to live. Uh, however, they have a slight, you know, respirus in the sense that they have these like bunkers and places to get to um, with in Greenland. So right, somewhere in Greenland, it'll save everybody or protect them. At least, you know, that's the closest for the, the main characters to get to. And that's pretty much it. They don't really have much else to do. They can't save the world in any way. And it's just... Shenanigans and chaos ensues with his family. Um, you have your boy Gerard Butler playing a dad, of course, uh, with his family. He and his son and his wife. And they have to just get from here to there. And well, it have, you're supposed to get to a point in the airport and then things get a little worse, but we'll talk about that. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. So... Yeah. Talk, 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 I want to hear um, your, your thoughts. It's a slightly more intelligent version of 2012. Slightly. Yeah, uh, remember 2012? That bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, so just so just uh, to stop your permit, right? Here's the thing, right? A good thing that you you brought up 2012, right? Uh, when it comes to disaster films, right? You 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 usually think of one director. That's Roland Emmerich, right? And yeah. I, I mean, we we all saw Independence Day when it came out in '96, right? I didn't watch The After Tomorrow uh, when it came out uh, right. uh, theatrically. I saw it on cable. But I right. did go to see 2012. I actually went to see it twice to ask for why in, on, in, in cinema, right? But here's the thing about Nashu and just to talk about Roland and, you know, compared to this, right? This is a guy, as always, called, like, he he does disaster porners. Like, he will make the, you know, this like the nature of disaster films. But he will make this look like this epic CG fest, right? So... Everything yeah. looks so epic and large and life, and it's just destruction. It's meteors right. and destruction. I'm uh, sorry, you know, yeah. avalanches and all so, that stuff. But especially with 2012, way he like outdid himself yeah, with this one. Just, so yeah, it's one of those shows like I can just kind of shut. It's one of those like it. It's way dumber than you would think. Yeah? Believe me, even right now to oh 2012 and the Mayan calendar. This is was this. All this is gonna happen exactly at twenty twelve, right? That's that's the that's right. the that's hook of the show. But I could shut my brain off and just watch a bunch of CG, just just a CG extravaganza and have fun, which is which is why I did. I I never rewatched it. Cause I mean, twice was enough for me. But yeah, I don't know if your well, I guess your view is different to to that show. But yeah, uh, thoughts on twenty twelve and Roland Emmerich? Because oh, no, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, you know, the genre He's goes. A... Yeah, he's a he's a director that I I mean it's a person I I come to appreciate a little more, but yeah, he still do a lot of bullshit. Um, you know, he does stuff that like I, I like Independence Day, you know, you know, twenty twelve was just ridiculously stupid and it played on something that was stupid. The whole Mayan candle and nonsense. And he just played you know, it was perfect. I mean, from a from a marketing and movie release blockbuster standpoint, it's actually a pretty smart move. Because everybody talking about that shit, make it. Right, they made it. Made sense. 
Um, but the movie was incredibly dumb. Didn't make much sense to me. Um, as usual, it's typical Roland Emmerich shit. And, you know, then he did, I think he did, um, he did, I think, Anonymous after that, which is so stupid and I hate. Um, this is basically the conspiracy theory movie about Shakespeare. That Shakespeare is oh, not Shakespeare. Oh, I, I remember that. that. I, I, I avoided it. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah, real nonsense. Hated it. Uh, then you had, um, well, he did, he did your, 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 boy, your, one of your favorite movies of all time, of course, Independence Day Resurgence. Resurgence. Uh, Yay. Yeah. The best right. movie of 2016. Uh, yeah, but uh, I'd say, I'll say the only film of him I liked in, in recent memory was probably White House Down. Um, that's the one I actually enjoyed and had fun with for what it was. Yeah. And that was yeah, another exactly. Gerard, yeah. I think because I was, it knew what right. it was too. Eh? That's, that's right. what I make it work. And that, that reminiscent of, well, something that, you know, um, Gerard Butler did. Which is the, the Has Fallen series, right? Yeah, yeah. I've I've only yeah. seen Olympus. Um, right. Didn't like it as much as I wanted to. Jed. I felt that it took itself right. way too seriously. But then it yeah, just yeah, had yeah. Like, what, uh, the the other two. I was just like, I don't really care because I just heard that they were worse than Olympus. Right. It, it it's kind of the taken of these kind of action movies, and it 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 have a kind of political dimension to it. Like White House Down is clearly liberal, while the Olympus franchise more catered to the conservative end of things. Um, and it, it, to me, I, Gerard Butler is somebody who has been, for me, kind of box office poison for a hot minute now. Like, you know, like, like, I don't know, like, I don't know what happened after 300. Yeah. Like, I, I know, I know 300 was what, what, yeah, 2007, so many... boy, but after that, boy, is yeah. just like, dude, <laughs> Gamer, remember Gamer? <laughs> right, that? yeah, no, he, he had some, yeah, yeah, he had some, he had some, he had some, he had I, some I went to watch Gamer because he wasn't it. Yeah. I spent money to watch Gamer because it was Jerry Butler that and I I wasted my money on that trip, you know? Yeah. No, no, he he's one of those that just it, it's shocking how many how many bad movies he did. And I, I the limit was Geostorm. Like Geostorm was like the last for me. But he had like a lot of bad movies. Like just stuff just not working and not flowing well or making sense. And it's just these movies that just half ass. I forget the one where he where he was a like a a submarine captain or something like that. That one of those like that. It's all of these weird military things that clearly like catered for your, your dad your boomer dad effectively like that is what they're for like it's right, your boomer right. dad who loves but the rest of these is, is, is just nonsense um and that's that's pretty much me on on that whole thing like it's it's this style of material but then with this film now they take it a little more somber they make it a little more reserved and it works a lot better right the all of the side characters are good gerard butler is good in this he doesn't feel too hammy it's it's okay. I thought this wasn't so bad because it plays it a lot more seriously. It's kind of the it, it, think of it as the, the comet the, the 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 comet version of like contagion. Remember contagion, like yeah, contagion yeah which was played. like issue everybody was making reference to in twenty twenty because you know right obvious right. But yeah. it, but the whole point of contagion is how how grounded everything was and realistic everything felt and it's this this is this have the same thing. Is that all right? Something coming. How we go react? How we go feel? Um, they, they had, had the, the I forget, I forget the old, old man's, man's name, name, but he's the old man from the leftovers. Um, he doubts a character um, in it. That's so not Scott Glenn, uh, right? Uh, what is this? I don't know. I can't remember the actor name off the top of my head. Um, not, not, yeah, not he, the guy who played um, who played um, the wife who is played by Miguel Morena Baccarin, by the way. Not not her dad, right? Somebody else. I think it's her dad. He's the one who yeah, was Scott, the farm. Scott Glenn. He, he was Scott Glenn. Yeah, yeah, Scott Glenn. Yeah. Yeah, it's got right, yeah. like I was watching uh, face like, I know this guy, you know, but it's what they show him in the years like, oh yeah, right, right, him. Right, right. right. And 
yeah, it 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 work. It worked for what it was. Like I I I couldn't be too hype off for it because the premise wasn't that engaging. It's not like they do anything interesting with the premise. You know, you see it before, but they say, all right, let me play this grounded. It's way better than, you know, at least from a groundedness world building standpoint, much better than 2012, much better than uh, Armageddon, uh, even better than Deep Impact, which is a, a movie I generally like and defend. Um, yeah, that's it. I mean, I, I just, it had nothing else to really say about it. It ends on a note of, oh, okay, you're hearing everybody's voices. So that means humanity survived, even though the world looking real fuck up and they'll probably, yeah, they'll probably crash our, <laughs> it'll probably crash, crash our, our ecosystem, but whatever, humans survive, so, you know, welcome to the Mad Max world. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Baccarin, Baccarin was good, she had decent chemistry with, with, um, with Butler. Nothing to write to him about, but still fine. Like, I enjoyed myself. It was decent. I could have probably gone and see this in CC8, you know, and sneak in a burger from the from the Panera next to it and enjoy myself on a Thursday afternoon, right? And in, in the times of before, the great virus. Um, that's, <laughs> pretty much, that's pretty much what it is. I mean, it, it, I would enjoy it. Uh, if I saw it in theaters, I wouldn't feel I waste my time too much. Um, but yeah, I, I dug this. This is all right. It was fine by me. Nothing major. It's fine. All right. Well, here's the thing, right? I, I agree with you for the most part. The groundedness is what, you know, surprised me about it, right? How right. compelling the characters were, how you, you cared about, well, the couple, that would be Jared and Marina themselves, and what it is they had to deal with, right? Uh, it plays things out, well, quite realistically, quote-unquote, right? Which surprised yeah. me also. Uh, all that felt that there was, like, a lot of time focused on, okay, we have to get to this airport, and the military is right. there, and it'll be... It's the selected people and some people that are gonna make it and of course it's chaos and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, it, it plays out like that for the most part. Uh, although I, I, I find that there was a lot of time focused on characters trying to leave as opposed to the actual threat itself, right? Which leads yeah. me to a little a little nitpick, right? So for some people what what's he what's the see what's the name what's the term disaster for, right? They're gonna go into this expecting stuff like what you've seen in a Roland Emmerich film, right? Or, or another right. disaster film, right? They're going to expect the whole big budget. Uh, oh, yeah, there's another one, um, San Andreas. I forgot to mention that. That's oh, yeah, like God, one com- of the few Dwayne Johnson movies that I have avoided. Yeah. Like, if, like, first time I saw the trailer for that, I was like, nope. I completely forget about Dwayne it. Dwayne is like, my I boy. Don't memory I'm not watching that shit. Yeah. I don't watch that. It's, no, no. Yeah, no, I, no, I completely no. forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I, I mean... I gave sky, skyscraper a blight, and he, that was bad. But I have a feeling that San Andreas was worse, right? but whatever. Yeah. But yeah, so I know people are going to go in. Even I myself was expecting a little spectacle, right? And you do get that, right? But I felt that there was a lot of time just trying to create, new, trying to ground everything in reality that you kind of forget oh, there's these things in the sky that could do serious damage. And we kind of need right. to see these things that, like, have the character. They're going to see who <laughs> put on a TV and see various news reports, including a recorded video of one of the rocks landing next to the put next to him. You know what I mean? Like, right. I wish that the show itself could have, well, I, I don't know what to say. I, I guess balance the spectacle with the realism, well, right? This, this is something like what... Uh, Independence Day. Like I still, it's still far fetched. Like, like, like yeah, no. They, they ain't gonna do that because, again, the whole groundedness of it is that you won't really see. Like, if a meteor come to hit you, you won't see it coming. Like, it is moved so fast. 
and you, right, the distances right. you've seen it from so far. I'm glad that they, they say it's a comet because with a comet, you oh, can yeah. see a comet coming. I like that they said that. It's just chunks of a comet. You've seen it coming. Cool. But they didn't see it away because comets are more or less invisible until they get too close to it. I like that. Right. right, so right, right. Like that. Like you'll, you'll, see, you'll see a comet coming. You see the big streak. So they, they, they don't do the bullshit, the bullshit thing from, from Deep Impact or um, they call it um, Armageddon where you see the best big rock coming and thing. Like that. None of that shit. I should just be moving so fast. If it get close to it, to the point where it'll hit our atmosphere, it'll literally land within a second. So I'm glad that yeah. they did that. Like what you're seeing in the sky is very far away, but because of the, the what comets happen with the sun, like that whole why comets have a tail is because of the sun, not nothing to do with it. Right, right, right. I got you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that that kind of realistic, and I appreciate these little things. Like it, they post, they try, they try. You know, I don't, I don't expect it to be no thing. It obviously it's a story, it's coincidental, blah blah blah. They had this one scene where they was in in like traffic and they, they seen rocks falling. That's a stubble shit. But again, they play kind of smart. Yeah. <laughs> And more like hail than rather than the thing falling. So it's like, however, yeah, yeah. You know, it's very, very you know, small. You know, in, in that scene in particular, sorry to cut it, that scene in particular, you know, funny thing is I was thinking about, about 2012. I believe there was a scene involving, I think it was like an earthquake, like, um, you know, like the, the, no. the ground was crumbling behind right, the car. No. The car was just basically speeding down a road. Yeah, or maybe yeah. I got that uh, wrong or something like that. No, no, it's um, it okay. So I remember it because again, this movie had so much bullshit in it. Uh, 2012. You're talking about 2012, right? Yes, yes, yes. It was, right, it was right. either was, it was either rock Yellowstone rocks or earthquake. Yeah, Yellowstone exploded because that had to be part of it, of course, right? Because that is a thing. Like people right, keep talking about yes. how, how Yellowstone yes. could potentially explode in America. Blah blah blah. That bullshit. The thing is because of the the wherever the the the, the magic flip. Thing that was going on in the movie that the Mayans predict that bullshit. Um, <laughs> the Yellowstone exploded and that would cause the big collapse because that would be the, this big disaster. Whatever. Go ahead. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the trailer unfortunately spoils that moment. Um, okay. I mean, me seeing it for the first time, I thought it was cool though, even though in my head I was like, okay, I wonder if they're going to go the Emmerich route with this scene, but thankfully no. they do. That they, they do. It's, it's a great moment, actually. It's actually one of the, the best moments in the show, right? But yeah, I was there just kind of wondering if they were going to have a bit of Emmerich stuff in it, but luckily they don't. So I guess, you know, it's just, you know, some great foresight in terms of what the show is trying to be there. Um, right. But I know that, yeah, people are going to go in with no knowledge of how Comet 2 can just take it, oh, big rocks with fire streaking from behind them, falling from the sky, from space, whatnot. We want to see just crazy shit, like you know, we ex- um exploding, like sorry, uh, racing through buildings and blowing them up and splitting them in half, like you know, we like like people be going expecting to see something out, like something out of a Michael B. Transformers movie, but you don't really get that here. But still, I wish that you know they kind of give us a little bit more spectacle. I think the reason being is because of the tone of it, how. Yeah, how dark and summer it all feels, right? Um, that reminds me of was well, this is not so much a disaster film, but it does involve it. Uh, knowing, right? This is the film from 2009 that um, Alex Proyas did with um, Nicolas Cage. Actually, right. a show I, that I, I wanted I to like, but then the ending was just so depressing. And well, not get what he was doing for, but that's how the aliens. Like, that's how the kids went to some different galaxies. Alien shit. Yeah, yeah. That that's what that, the movie uh, ends. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The world gets wiped out, and you get this montage of people dying, and yeah. I like 
dog, Dre. Like, yeah. why, why you gonna make me feel this way, Dre? Like, it have no hope, you know what I mean? And yeah, you do get this sense of hopelessness throughout the show. Uh, the, just how the, the family itself, that would be Jared Moridia and their, their son, right? How they get split up at the airport and just them trying to get back to each other and back and forth all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like it it re- it it's tense, but it's also really sad and whatnot. So yeah, it's it's like that. It's, it's that kind of show, but it it works in terms of setting that tone. There is one little like glaring plot hole that I just want to bring up without spoiling too much. Um, basically, it involves Jared. Jared has a car, right? He has a he has a vehicle that he takes to go to the to the to the airport right right and after the shenanigans where they get split up he runs back well sorry like in between the shenanigans he runs back to to get some medicine for his son because his son is a diabetic right afterwards he comes back to the same car and there's a note right so the wife left a note she's going over by that right so why did afterwards it's like they just forget about like he like forgets about the vehicle entirely and like now he like trying to get a vehicle to get to do to, to meet his wife and kinder but i was like but dog you came in that car and like what happened you didn't you didn't t- you didn't steal the car you just left the car right there and like the show never gets back to it like i don't know maybe i i probably blinked and missed it but i swear like the the, the movie itself forgot that jared <laughs> owned a vehicle in the first place right also, I felt like, you know, with the idea of, like, how it was set up in terms of, hey, we have to get to this particular airport. Like, this family needs to go to this airport. Later on, there's a moment where the, the family splits up again, and another family now tries to get to a, uh, another airport, right? But I felt like they didn't really establish that well enough, so it almost felt as if they were going back, you know, to the first airport, but there's actually another one. So, in other words, it didn't really establish that different airports in different states had military, you know, support there. Like, they were waiting for people to, you know, go into these planes and fly out. They just kind of established early on that it was this one airport. That That's what I see it. So, there's okay. a little yeah. narrative hiccups here or there. Like, a little, you know, a little, little stuff that really could have been reworked as a fight because it just kind of made things a little... Not hard to follow, but it's like... Okay, could establish that a lot better, right? That's just me. Right. Uh, but yeah, other than that, though, the performances were great. Um, I do agree with you. Jared and Marina do have, you know, decent enough chemistry together. Uh, Marina really, really, I mean, she's a great actress, in my opinion. And yeah, she really sold the whole, you know, where's my son? Where's my husband moment? Yeah, because yeah, she's separated from both of them. And you really feel it for her. Not too over the top, like she's bawling and whatnot, but still is like, yeah, you feel how she feels at this moment. But at the same time, she had to think about her own well-being too, right? Uh, so it goes to Jared's character. Like, you know, he wants to reunite with his family, but survival, self-survival too. And yeah, that essentially is what the show is about. It's just about these characters just trying to survive this thing. Um, I would say the third act, that's where you get your disaster trills because we have this planet killer that shows up near the end. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for those scenes, they work. Even though I've, I felt that it was kind of the cliche set of things. Like, you know, we've, we've seen moments where you think, oh, you know, I mean, everything's okay and they survive. But nope, there's another thing that hits and there's this, another, uh, you know, moment of danger and tension that happens, like, immediately afterwards. Like, I saw that coming, like, a mile away, right? Um, and I felt like, you know, once again, just the disaster trills. Like, they could have had a little bit more. 
So me having to wait until the third act to really see them and have two acts of just characters who either want to go on a plane or don't want to go to a plane, who either want to go here or don't want to go here, yeah, kind of yeah. dragged the show for me personally. So, uh, yeah, I just felt like they just really kind of balanced things out just a little bit. Uh, but, you know, like, like, but I, I'm glad that they didn't go to the over-the-top, you know, Emmerich stuff, right? Like, uh, like 2012, like, you know, 2012 have some ridiculously over-the-top moments, like two seasons I'll never forget. Um, you know, Fall of the Vatican, the Vatican, sorry, <laughs> and when the White House, um, this 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 tanker literally falls over the people who more or less hiding in the White House, mm. and you oh, know, sure. Emmerich makes these things so glorious and so grandiose. Trevor. What do you think about this? So dumb, but yeah. I'm glad this show here doesn't follow that, right? So in a way, it's kind of an anti-Emmerich disaster, disaster film, disaster film in a way, right? So, it, or you could say an anti-disaster film, disaster film. Kind of, yeah. if that makes sense. So it's trying to do something new. Sorry. Not new, but just something more grounded without having to rely on heavy special effects to emphasize the weight of what's going on. I was thinking in the back of my mind, maybe it's a budgeting. Who knows? <laughs> but I mean, you have big actors in this trend. But yeah, they, they, they use their visuals sparingly, right? They, they, the VFX rather sparingly. Um, but yeah, other than that, though, the show is what it is. It didn't blow, it didn't blow my way, but I was engaged, you know, me with what was going on too. And you know, I, I like how things play out in the end, even though I felt like you know, you really could have given us a little bit more trills instead of you know, depressing stuff, right? Which is appropriate given the right. nature of the show. So, uh, rated wise, uh, I'll give this a strong three to a light three and a half out of five, man. Um, it's yeah. eight for what it is. Like you, I would have gone to Caribbean cinemas to watch it. I would not have spent. Uh, I probably would have. I would not watch this in IMAX at all. Not at all. Yeah, not for this. Not yeah. so. Sorry to see this small scale. It's, it's one. Right? Of the, it's one of those movies. It's one of those movies out of just out of out of users excuse to get out of the house. Like it was one of those, and I would have, I would have yeah, watched it yeah, before. Yeah. I'd watch it before and, my, my, my book club writing to you know something like that. It's one of those. Yeah, and you know the funny thing is, um, out of the shows that in the lineup right now, well, this is prior to Tenet coming out. I actually had Greenland on, on my on my head, on my mind basically to go and see her. But not only was, you know, Saturday or yesterday times we got to hear uh, Diwali, you know, being a, a religious holiday, right. but um, Greenland came out on, on Amazon Prime. So I was like, okay, I'll watch that. I'll literally watch that on Diwali, yeah. right? So yeah. yeah. But other than that, I mean, it's, it's good for what it is, right? It's not the best disaster show you'll ever see in your life if you're looking for the spectacle watch one of Emmerich's films right but in terms of a grounded more realistic more emotionally driven disaster film yeah this is this is this is a good one this is right up there in my opinion so if you're interested give it a look man but don't go in expecting you know 2012 right that's all I'll say uh last was the rating on Greenland yeah 6 out of 10 um I had some fun with it. Uh, it wasn't too obnoxious, you know. It it not too too realistic, but uh, you know you enjoy it. Again, uh, I think I think because at such low low standards, I hear disaster film and I see the Gerard Butler, so I almost immediately wrote it off. But I say, all right, let me give it a chance and uh, didn't regret it. So, yeah. All right. So with all that being said, Ricardo, where can we find you online? Uh, of course, uh, at R M E D D Y. That is at R on Twitter, and then you can type in Ricardo Medina on Facebook. 
On Twitter, you could find me at BearBeatBailey. On Instagram, you could find me at BearsBeatsBailey. On Facebook, just look for my name, Matthew Bailey, along with a legally black blog official fan base, where you find the link to this podcast, as well as the ones that we've done over the past five seasons, including retrospective views. And if you've seen any one of these shows here, you know, feel free to let me know what you thought about them. Uh, don't forget to leave a comment in terms of, you know, if you if you do enjoy what we do here on this podcast here, you know, just, sh- you know, spread the word, you know, give us a little love and support and whatnot. And uh, in closing, uh, well, just let you know one time, um, we have a special episode. Well, it's more, I'm more seeing this as a kind of a mashup between retrospect reviews and Bears Beats and Melee, where, yes, I've, I've decided, Ricardo, uh, I'm going to talk about, you know, well, not just the Lego Star Wars um, holiday special, but I'm also going to watch the original Star Wars holiday special. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to suffer through it, and I'm going to share my thoughts on it. It's not going to be a long run through of it, but it's just my thoughts on that. And, you know, hopefully I would love to see how the Lego movie, or the, sorry, the Lego one makes fun of that. I have a feeling that they will. Uh, alongside that, this this actually kind of hit me out of the blue, but I'm glad that it did because I'm also going to add this along to the lineup for the next episode. Uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion special. Yes, yeah. I saw the ad. I'm, I'm going to talk about so, that too, because yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah. It's it's coming yeah, out yeah, on the okay. same week as well. Right. This week, I should say, it's coming out the same week as the Lego special. So why not? I'm just going to. So he said she's going to be old Star Wars special, new Star Wars special, and Fresh Prince reunion special. Right. So yeah, okay, it's going to cool. be a special episode. <laughs> that's that's what it's going to be. Right. Uh, also, other stuff to look forward to. We have. Uh, I've been hearing great things about this. Uh, Netflix Christmas movie called Jingle Jangle A Christmas Journey I'm going to check that out right. uh, Fat Man with Mel Gibson playing Santa Yeah, uh, yeah who about Could this, be so. good Could be good, as you think Alright, yeah, I'll um, give this a, I'll, I want to give that a chance I'll see. Yeah, yeah uh, Freaky, hopefully we could get to see this um, Digitally right. um, Next month, hopefully, I'm not too sure also, we well, you know, we're gonna talk about. Uh, hopefully, we're gonna get to talk about Marini's Black Bottom. You know, we that's the well, the final, right. you know, right. uh, yeah. acting performance from you know the late great Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, right. that's gonna be coming out uh, before Christmas. So excited for that. Also, Mandalorian season two. Can't wait to talk about that. That's been going great as well. Um, Soul, you know, from Pixar, that's supposed to be coming out on Christmas Day. Right, so, yeah, right, at least have right. something to watch on Christmas Day. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? And of course, you know, with the year almost, uh, you know, coming to an end, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Um, you know, we, we're going to share at the very end of the year our individual list for, you know, best and worst films of 2020. I know we don't have much to work with. You might see some Netflix stuff, some Amazon Prime stuff here or there. But yeah, you know, we, we, we had to really scrape the barrel and see what we find because, right. yeah, this is kind of a this is kind of a disappointing year in terms of, well, you know, theatrical releases, right? So, it is what it is. And yeah, that's pretty much about it. So once again, guys, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whatever this is. This was Machimedian. Ricardo Medina. And we are signing off for another episode of Bears Beats and Beats. So to the next one, take care, stay safe, in and out. Peace. <laughs>